0: Download the WinBet app now, or visit WYNNBet.com to start winning. Blue wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen, history point, Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on?
1: Uh, not really. Gambling gods bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Oh. Oh, Gambler's not your problem. You're just an idiot.
0: And hey, we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank on Gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. Provided we're all still there, of course. He's Alex Uplinger at Full Underscore Slate Underscore Pod. Manages the podcast Twitter at Alex Underscore Up Seven. As we get to NFL Week 11, Titans pick up a win at Lambeau Field to get things started on Thursday Night Football. And now we get to the rest of the point spreads and totals for NFL Week 11. Alex, what's going on, my man? Good to have you back.
1: What's up, buddy? It's great to be back. It's been a while.
0: It has, yeah. So uh, healthy and uh, charged up, ready for the holiday season?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Happy to be back. Unfortunately, this is one of the worst NFL slates I can think of in recent memory. Just oh, on paper, it's so is. ugly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is like the uh the Madden Sim week, right?
1: Right, just get this one just over with. Usually there's there, there's usually at least like five or so games that just instantly jump out, and this week it was probably like one. Yeah.
0: And uh we'll get to that one. Uh, Obviously, I think Dallas and Minnesota are kind of the one that everybody's interested in. A lot of playoff implications there as Minnesota tries to surpass Philadelphia for the number one seed in the NFC. Dallas is still very much in contention in that NFC East, a game behind New York, two games behind Philly. So certainly get to that. But let's get started now at Ford Field, where the Cleveland Browns are at eight and a half point underdog on a neutral field now against the Buffalo Bills, total of 48 and a half. You may even argue this is going to be a home game for the Browns now with how close Cleveland is to Detroit. Uh, Alex, what do we make of kind of the wussification of the NFL not playing in the elements in Buffalo?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was looking forward to a snow game, but I understand them moving this. I think the travel is really what would be the difficulty here is getting the Browns into the. And then the logistics of clearing that much snow out of the stadium and off the field. I understand why, but I was hoping this was going to be in the snow, in the elements. I would have liked Cleveland a lot more at that number outside in potential snow with that running game. But now that it's in a dome, it's really it would be bills or pass. I don't know if I can get there really with either of these sides.
0: Yeah, I I don't – I mean, the thing is, like, the Josh Allen elbow thing, I think, is going to make me leery of betting on Buffalo the rest of the season because you think about it, like, I doubt oddsmakers are adjusting and saying, well, now we got to downgrade Buffalo. Like, I I, I just think, like, the best teams in the NFL always get priced up pretty expensively in point spreads, and so – I feel like a lot of these lines are going to be – I mean, just look at last week. I mean, you know, I don't know where that number closed. It was kind of on the move all week with the Minnesota-Buffalo game uh, and the uncertainty surrounding Allen. But now that it seems like he's going to keep playing moving forward, you know, you're going to see the Bills land north of a touchdown against seemingly every single one of their opponents. I just think that makes them hard to bet when you don't know about how healthy the quarterback is.
1: Yeah, I think that line ended up closing around six. It was bouncing around. It got as low as three, and that was when people thought he was out. Right. So they were kind of banking on Keenum to to manage the offense well enough. But like you mentioned, elbow is definitely a huge concern. And just in general, his decision-making looks really poor this season. Leads the league in interceptions, and some of those are really fucking bad. Like some of those red zone interceptions he threw, that one last week, and then the one he threw at the end of the game to lose it just terrible throws. I don't know if that's the elbow or just not being super confident in himself, but he looks, he looks bad. Yeah.
0: So again, I think uh, definitely a wait and see on all things, Buffalo from a gambling perspective. And, you know, this game too. I mean, Cleveland looked pretty bad last week in South beach against the dolphins, but an um, expensive point spread for a Buffalo team that is in a little bit of a rut right now. They've, they've lost back-to-back games and, you know, I guess we'll see if they get it together. Maybe they will uh, and be just fine. Uh, certainly, I think from a power rating standpoint, everybody's still treating Buffalo as the best team in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I think, if anything, they probably got rated a little higher off that game. You could probably chalk that one up as another fluky Vikings win and not so much a bad Buffalo <laughs> loss.
0: I don't give the Vikings any credit.
1: <laughs> not when you're fumbling the ball in the one fucking yard line yeah, to essentially that's a good lose point. the game. Just getting stuff like that to go your way, that's some team of destiny type of shit. All
0: right, well, uh, let's go from one Big Ten state in Michigan to another in Indiana where the Indianapolis Colts welcome in the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday afternoon. Indianapolis catching seven at home as Jeff Saturday debuts as Indianapolis Indianapolis coach at home after the win in Sin City last week. Total of 45.5 between the Eagles and the Colts. i got to be honest, Alex, uh, I've watched every Eagles game this year. Obviously, a big Eagles fan. And I'm a little worried, even though it is just, you could say, just one loss, that there's a little bit of a blueprint out now on the Eagles. And what did we see Washington really do on Monday night? Chew up the clock, short passing game, ran the ball 49 times. And Monday night was the third consecutive Excuse me, third consecutive game in which the Eagles have allowed at least 140 rushing yards. That hasn't happened since 2006 for the Eagles. So my concern is that that is what teams can do against the Eagles is keep Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown on the sideline and methodically move the ball down the field, shorten the game. And look up at the fourth quarter, and you're right there, say, 17-14 or or something like that. That's kind of the game script I could see Indy following. Of course, behind there, Belcal running back, who's back healthy and looked good last week, Jonathan Taylor. So you're going to give me a touchdown head start in a game that figures to be, you know, I would imagine Indianapolis is going to try and do exactly what I just laid out and just shorten the game and have it be fewer possessions and keep that clock moving. I gotta think Indy would be the side here catching seven. And I think also some of what I'm saying correlates to the under, but I think I like Indianapolis plus the touchdown more than the more than the
1: under. I definitely don't hate it. I think that's the only way you can look. Like you mentioned the
0: Oh the by the way, I should also good. add, um Dallas Goddard on IR for the Eagles, so uh, you know that's they're down a weapon there and
1: massive loss.
0: You know, we saw them, you know, still waiting on Jordan Davis. He's not going to be back here. They went out and added Linval Joseph and then Sue this week to try and stir sure up.
1: Yeah, dude, do you think either of those guys are going to play?
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean,
1: they're going to suit up you know, and just. I mean, they're just plugging the middle, so right. You know, that that might be something by. that
0: is more worth keeping an eye on in the Eagles' next game. Uh, But as far as how it impacts Sunday, probably minimal at best.
1: Yeah, this is definitely a a matchup nightmare for Philly. It's worth noting, Colts, they're now 1-9 and against the spread in the first half, and the Eagles are one of the best first-half teams. So that could be an angle to look at is Eagles' first half. But I think the points are really valuable here with the Colts.
0: So some agreement on Indianapolis as we move forward and go from the NFC East to the AFC East, where it's a battle of, I say bottom feeders, because they are, well, actually, I guess the Jets are ahead of the Bills. But regardless, uh, New England at 5-4, and four, returning from its bye week in last place in the AFC East. This has been kind of what everybody thought the AFC West would be this year. And you have the Jets returning from their bye week as well. Uh, as a a three-and-a-half-point road pooch against the New England Patriots at Gillette Stadium, a total in this game of just 38. And, you know, another one that just, you know, I mentioned that Eagles run D stats going back to 2006. Well, 2008, the last time the Jets won in Foxborough, uh, that was when Brett Favre played for the Jets. So here's my thing, and – I don't like either side here. Uh, I was on New England because it was inside the three against the Jets when the game was at MetLife. I don't like. I don't want to lay the hook with a New England offense that is not explosive. Obviously, this total at 38 indicating as much. But the Belichick versus young quarterback thing, I mean, we've seen Zach Wilson just be flummoxed every time he's faced the Belichick defense. And... I do think that there's some hope for particularly Garrett Wilson in this passing game. And that's the big thing for the jets. And I don't know that it starts here. I mean, you would hope Michael LaFleur and their offensive staff use their bye week to be able to create some more explosive plays because in the absence of Brees hall, they're going to have to get the ball downfield more. And let's be honest, Brees hall aside, you didn't draft Zach Wilson to be a game manager. And you didn't draft Garrett Wilson to be a decoy. You know, there's a pair of top 10 picks on those two guys. So I do think that by the end of the season, I could still see the Jets making the playoffs. I could see this offense in a month be a lot better than it is now. I just don't know that this is the get right spot for the Jets offense. And as I said, at three and a half, I don't really want to lay that hook. This total is too low to make me want to go under. I just think this game's a total pass.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you. This is a, it's a pretty ugly one on paper. I completely agree with you being scared off by the three and the hook. I'd feel a lot more comfortable with three, but I think New England's the only side to look at here, and I'm not super confident in that. I did see a good trend about Belichick when the total is under 40. He's 34-12-1 against the spread, which oh, I makes like complete that. sense. Just a defensive-minded guy, so... Lower total, expecting defensive struggles, you know, you think Belichick, one of the better defensive minds in the game, that he's going to limit and, you know, keep this under the total, and that would probably mean they're going to also cover. But it's just really tough to trust that Patriots offense to do much of anything. I'm definitely going to pass this as well.
0: Okay, let's go from the New York Jets to the New York Giants as the Giants host the Detroit Lions. And the Giants laying only a field goal here against the Motor City Kitties, a total in this game of 45. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of the same way I I was leaning Indianapolis. I, I lean pretty strongly to the Detroit side here. I know that it's a not great spot. For the Lions with back-to-back road games, having expended a lot of energy last week to come back against the Be- the Bears, but you know I know you you don't love outdoor road golf, and and that's definitely valid. He's a California guy, and um you know he has struggled historically in cold weather. Uh, but they were able to come back last week against the Bears. And I, here's my thing: when you're betting these teams that are sub 500 this late in the season. You have to wonder if there's, you know, it's either you're plugging your nose because the number's too big, or is there, you know, still are they still playing hard? Is there still a get up? And I think that is the case with the Lions. I think they definitely are still playing hard for Dan Campbell. He is likely going to be back in 2023, it seems. And so uh, I think to just add some more tangible progress in the win column, they're still playing hard, and and he obviously wants to kind of prove that he is the guy and can move the ship forward there in Detroit. And so I, I, this is all my way of saying that I think the Lions, despite their record, are a team you can still bet on. And as I mentioned, we saw the win last week against Chicago. We saw them beat the Packers the week prior. We saw them go to Jerry World and for, what, two and a half quarters? They're right in that game, keeping it low-scoring against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so I, I definitely... And buy in a little bit of where the Lions are going. And I also think that this is a continued uh, distrust from oddsmakers towards the New York Giants. I mean, let's not forget that the Giants were an underdog a month ago in Jacksonville against the Jags. And, you know, seven and two at home versus three and six. And the seven and two teams only giving up a field goal. And I think it might be easy to run to the window and lay three with the Giants just on that premise alone. But I continue to believe that it's a Giants team that plays close game after close game after close game. And I wouldn't be surprised if they lost this one outright, just because I do think if you play a bunch of close games, uh, you know I think you can use a lot of the same Viking stuff that people use to hold against the Vikings. You can say the same thing about the Giants, and certainly it's a less explosive Giants offense than the one in Minnesota. All that is to say, Lions are the side for me. I'll probably be on this, and I think you like the total.
1: Yeah, I was looking to the under. I know the Lions' defense is really bad, and their offense is pretty good, so not super inspiring for the under. But the Giants, they're just an under team this season, gone under in four straight games. They're now 7-2 to the under on the season. And I saw that Giants' home games are 16-1 to the under in their last 17 or whatever that is. They just don't have the most explosive offense. Their best playmakers. They're running back. You know, they control the game on the ground. And then Daniel Jones also is pretty solid at running. Eat up the clock. I don't expect them to make a ton of plays through the air. I think I would look to the under here. And, yeah, I would also think Detroit is a side just in terms of how long can the Giants kind of keep this – Lucky streak up. I know they're they're winning games, not super convincingly, so the points are much more valuable in these spots.
0: Exactly. I, I just think the game script that the Giants continue to abide by will eventually come back and bite them in the ass. So I I think it might be this week. Maybe they overlook the you know, look ahead spot perhaps Thanksgiving Day game against the Cowboys. Uh, so I definitely like. The Lions on the road plus the field goal. Let's move on and go to Charm City, where the Carolina Panthers make the short trip uh, from Charlotte to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. And this the biggest point spread of the week. Baltimore returning from its bye week, laying 13 total in this game of 41 in the hook. I know there's, you know, we talk about it often on this show. When you have high total or low totals with big point spreads, you just automatically take the dog. I don't know, though, Alex, I feel like uh, Baltimore coming off its bye week, uh, getting a little healthier. I think Mark Andrews might be able to go. Um, and that's a good sign for a Ravens offense that obviously is kind of devoid of playmakers. And I think that the Ravens are, as the you know November turns into December, are a team that will continue to... Get healthier and find it strong. So, uh, you know, it's a big number. I'm not saying I'd lay it, but I'm not running to 10 points with Carolina either. Uh, Panthers have certainly looked functional post Matt Rule, uh, but it's a bad team, plain and simple. So uh, and, and we've seen some tap out ability from Carolina, even, you know, against an AFC North opponent on the road pretty recently. Against Cincinnati. So, likely a pass here, but having said that, uh, you know, I wouldn't blame anybody if you did lay all these points with Baltimore.
1: No, especially with it being Baker Mayfield. If this was PJ Walker, I would strongly consider taking the points, but Baker, just he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL statistically, which is unfortunate because I was actually kind of high on that move bringing him in i just think this team is so broken i don't know how much flight they have and you mentioned andrews he was limited in practice today but it looks like he's probably gonna go and just the off or the defense now with roquan smith they just they looked really really good um recently i would probably weigh it here with the ravens if i had to especially being at home but this is complete stay away from me. This game is just ugly.
0: Alright, let's go to Houston where the Washington Commanders return from their biggest week win of the season in Philly laying three, three and a half at some shops still on the road against Texans total of 41 and this is just a home run spot to fade the commanders in honestly. I really don't even care that the number is only three. I was kind of hoping that we'd get a little more given how inept the Texans are but you know, I, I I was salivating over the possibility here of fading the Washington Commanders on the road, back-to-back weeks, short week, having played on Monday Night Football, easy flat spot, going to Houston to take on the Texans. Uh, it feels like a no-brainer that Washington – Reminds everybody that it is still the Washington Commanders when the night is all set, when the day is all said and done, I should say. Um, so I, I I, will still take the three with the Texans. Um, and, you know, it, it could easily work out given how inept the Texans are. But this is one where I'd rather lose than not bet the Texans because they're the Texans and watch the Texans win the game outright. That would not sit with me well, given how much this spot just screams fade commanders. So I'm going to take the Texans plus.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is pretty much everything we preach in terms of teams, you know, buy low, sell high, the commanders coming Fat, off. Happy. Absolutely. Couldn't be fatter, couldn't be happier. And now they go to one of the sleepiest spots probably possible. 1 p.m. in Houston, a game you should absolutely win. But then you see the line's only three. Very weird. Commanders, obviously the better team. But like we said, this is a spot where they just sleepwalk through and lose. I know we've been super high on the Commanders, but that's generally in the dog role. Granted, they haven't really been a favorite much this season, so it's tough to to look at them in the favorite role. But all, all Taylor had... Do you, to you know off the top, top of one. your head were they favored
0: on that Thursday night game against the Bears? Or was that like pick?
1: That was like pick, or I think they closed like one, and then that game in Detroit, I think they ended up closing a favorite as well where they got blown out. But like the, the lines for both yeah. those games were going back and forth all week, so back it's kind of tough. Yeah, but, I mean, they, the they closed... Yeah, and they close like a one-point favorite. So, so not much. Not like this spot, giving three.
0: Okay, so certainly some agreement on the Houston side. And uh, let's hit a few more early games in Atlanta where – this is a stinky one like most of them are. The Bears heading to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. And the Fal- Falcons, a lackluster effort to say the least – Against the Carolina Panthers, the last time we saw them on Thursday Night Football. The Falcons are a three point favorite here at high total. The Bears with high total games. What is going on? 49.5. Of course, Justin Fields has really emerged the last month and looking more and more like he might be the guy in the Windy City. But you like the home team here, Alex. Tell us why you like the Falcons.
1: Yeah, I just think this is the perfect spot. It's still the Bears. I know they've had some high-scoring games. They looked really good on offense last week. Granted, they completely blew that game. And then against the Patriots, they looked great. But the defense still, they they can't get any stops. I understand this high of a total. Both these defenses allow 25 points per game. Um, so I would look to the over as well. I just think Atlanta's a better team. It's just still the Bears. I know Justin Fields is going to get his. They're going to put up a lot of yards. They're going to put up some points. I just think the Falcons can go score for score with them. I'm, I'll probably also play the over. I know it's 49 and a half. I could see this definitely being a, a shootout like we saw last week with Detroit and and uh, the Bears. Just two bad defenses and two offenses that are, are clicking and have – a enough weapons to get it done and you know fields can really get it done himself it seems so i could easily see this going over and i think the, the falcons can win and cover this at home
0: let's wrap up with the early window i should say with another nfc south team laying three that's the saints giving up three to the la rams a total of just 39 and gosh i mean I, the rams might need you and me out there on offense because stafford has been hurt yeah. You know. Cups on IR. Their O-line's been a mess all year to begin with. Their running backs don't seem to ever uh, do anything. Oh, gosh, the Rams are a point dog against the Saints. Who saw that coming six weeks ago? But that's the world we're living in right now. This is another complete stink fest that I honestly don't watching a playoff
1: Alex are you more interested in this than I am (laughs) no not at all I really can't wrap my brain around this on one hand it's Andy Dalton the Saints look so inept on offense as well but at home they do play a lot better than they do on the road and you mentioned no cup this Rams offense is so fucking broken and the defense is kind of overrated as well they got a couple big names but they just don't seem to play all that well. They can't keep them in games enough. I I don't know what to do with this game. I really hope I don't watch a single second of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we won't spend any more time on it. Let's move on and go to the Mile High City. First game in the late window. Broncos now laying three against the Raiders. Total of 41. I got to say, upon first class, that. Upon first glance, that seems like kind of a lower total for a Raider game because we've seen, I feel like, a lot of slugfest Raider games. But, of course, the Broncos have been the opposite with how inept they have been on offense. Uh, weird weird week for the Raiders. I mean, stuff about Mark Davis and the Raiders having some financial problems and, uh, you know, oh, well, McDaniels is doing a great job even though, like, they're two and seven, and they made the playoffs last year. And they
1: <laughs> does he not watch Devontae, Devontae Adams?
0: Adams? I don't. I don't That's know what how he can like, say that. I, like Alex, this feels like the Al Davis Raiders that we grew up with, that were like four and twelve every year, and had like Tom Cable coaching them, and it was just like, they, like, and it, they were so inept. And the crazy thing is, like, the Adams move, like, I can't been as good, but the Adams has been great, and they're just losing every week. It feels like. But having said all that Denver comes back from its bye week off of a win against the Jags in London prior and looks like the same Denver team get a first down. So um, I don't think Denver's ever going to look any better. These are two massive, maybe the best underachievers in the NFL this year on one field. I think somebody has to win. It would be fitting if this game tied, but what do you think here? I mean, I, You could talk me into a buy low on the Raiders, only because I think they might just be the better team on paper, and obviously hasn't translated to a lot of wins, Um, and I don't want to lay three points with the Broncos' offense that, like I said, struggles to get first downs at times, so I'm not going to play this game, but I'd lean Raiders.
1: I would, too. I think that's the only side to look, but... If there's a defense that this Broncos team can finally wake up against, it's the Raiders. They allow 25 points per game. But then you see the Broncos are first in the NFL. They only allow 16 points per game. So I I see why this total is, is low. I would probably look to the under here. It's really gross. You definitely got to plug your nose at only 41 points, but – With how bad the Broncos' offense is, I'm not super confident they can really score against anyone. And then the Raiders are going to have a very difficult time running the ball against his Broncos' front. And I don't see them really scoring either. This could easily be, you know, a 20-10 to type of just snooze fest. And you could really talk me into either side.
0: That is important, too, for as bad as the Broncos have been on offense. They have kind of held their own on defense. Of course, now they don't have Bradley Chubb, but they've been pretty good.
1: Yeah, they seem to be in a lot of these games. They just can't put up more than, like, 15 points. You're not going to (laughs) beat anyone.
0: Let's move on to the game of the week in the National Football League, as it's dallas Traveling north to Minnesota, Dallas a one and a half point favorite, total of forty-seven and a half. And uh, I actually don't know. I, I kind of wonder if uh, the Cowboys stayed up in the Upper Midwest because they just played at Lambeau. I'm not sure I that stuff. Um, so maybe something to look into there. But nonetheless, back to back NFC North road games for the Cowboys, and they sure choked that. To I, I think we yeah we were both on Dallas last week, much to our chagrin. Uh, 28-14 early in the fourth quarter, and they let it slip away against the Packers. And it, as we talked about at the beginning, turned out not to be a rejuvenating win for the Packers after they lose on Thursday night at home to the Titans. So here are the Cowboys now taking on Kirk Cousins in 425 Kirk Cousins. We don't know what kind of Kirk Cousins that is, but regardless, uh, what do you think here? I mean, it it, it does feel like, the Vikings would be like, I feel like a lot of people are going to look, look at this and think, oh, the Vikings just won in Buffalo and now they're a home dog against a team they're two games better than in the standings in Dallas. And yeah, that's what's going on. So, how do you interpret this number?
1: Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I, I feel like they're laying this just begging me to take the, the plus money with the Vikings. You know, you see that record and they're at home, but I'm definitely going to be on the Cowboys. I'm laying it. I know it's super square, but I love the Cowboys this week. They're getting Zeke back. I just don't trust the Vikings at all. On paper, DVOA-wise, the Cowboys are by far the better team in every facet of the game. And you mentioned, you know, it's 4 o'clock, Kirk Cousins, which isn't isn't great. It's not a primetime game, but with daylight savings, it will be getting darker. So the lights will be coming on, <laughs> get a little bright for Kirk. I did see he's... He's 20 and 30 against the spread in games at 4 p.m. Eastern or later. So those lights do come on in the afternoon, and he does seem to turn into a bit of a pumpkin. I can see that for sure against Dallas with that pass rush. I think he's going to have a nightmare of a game. My biggest concern, though, you know, they always have Justin Jefferson looming to do some insane shit you've never seen before. That always keeps them in the games. I just think Dallas is by far the better team here. So you're
0: still not buying the Vikings even a little bit?
1: Not even one iota. And I'm riding a Kirk Cousins MVP ticket, plus 5,000. But I'm not confident in the Vikings at all.
0: Okay, let's go to the Steel City where Pittsburgh is at home catching four points total of forty against the Cincinnati Bengals. And if you listen to us, we know you know we preach underdog Mike Tomlin. He got home for us last week as a short pooch. I believe he went off as a favorite. That line never made sense. Wrong team was favored there between Pittsburgh and New Orleans. And now here are the Steelers back at home, three and six. A far cry from the postseason or even trying to make anything out of twenty twenty. We always talk about Tomlin being a good dog because his team's never laid down, and he always motivates them for these games in which on, on paper there seems to be a lot of mismatches favoring their opponent. Uh, coaching mismatch for sure in Pittsburgh's favor here. I mean, I, I don't, despite getting a Super Bowl last year, I don't think anybody really thinks that highly of Zach Taylor. Bengals are coming back from the bye week, uh, but I still don't think we're going to see Jamar Chase this week. So uh, all that said... Uh, can the Steelers kind of stealer this thing, muck it up, and cover a four-point spread? What do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We love this, especially with such a low total. Over under 40 kind of indicates that is going to be one of those ugly AFC North slugfests. Mike Tomlin, 16-3-3 three three against the spread as a home underdog. And he's 5-0-2 oh, against the spread as a home dog against AFC North opponents. We love Tomlin as a home dog, especially within the division. This is absolutely a spot. He gets the boys up. He loves that rah-rah shit. He's such a player's coach. You know, us against the world. And then most importantly, TJ Watt back against that yeah. terrible Bengals line. That That's a huge He's upset. He just too it. now. It makes the defense so much better. The defense goes as he goes. He just... His pressure just completely makes everything go. The secondary gets so much better when he's getting pressure every single play. They just they just get up so much better when he's in the lineup. I love the Steelers in this spot.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. No, I, I think Pittsburgh's the only side you can play here. Cincinnati kind of been and, and by the way, Pittsburgh won Week One at Cincinnati as a six and a half point dog. Um, so you know now you're getting four at home. Uh, And and Cincinnati kind of been a weird team to trust because at times, you know, they beat up on the Jets pretty good at MetLife. They clobbered Carolina. Uh, At times, they look like that high-flying offense uh, with Burrow and the boys that can put up a bunch of points. Uh, But they've also kind of been sliding along, lost to Cooper Rush early in the year with the Cavaliers. So it's a difficult team to lay over a field goal with on the road in a divisional game. They
1: they got absolutely – Smashed by the Browns on the road, which I would argue yeah, is exactly. worse. way worse defense than what the Steelers have. I think yeah. the Steelers will get similar pressure and mock it up. And, you know, it could be one of those disaster games for Burrow with like three turnovers and just completely shoot themselves in the foot. Steelers win this out, right?
0: OK, let's wrap up with these primetime games. Let's start in... Los Angeles, where at SoFi Stadium, it's now down to a five-point spread favoring the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Highest total on the board of 52. Alex, what do you think here? As Mahomes and company travel to SoFi, I think there's good line value on the Chargers. And I'm kicking myself for not betting it at 6.5. Go back to Week 2 Thursday Night Football Amazon debut game. And it's in Kansas City. And the Chargers are catching 3.5 in Kansas City. Now you're going to give me 5? At SoFi, and yeah, a lot's changed since then, and I think the Chargers have been a far less trustworthy team since then, but I think they're getting back to that kind of preseason level of trust, and by that I mean they're getting healthier, and it looks like Allen and Mike Williams, Keenan Allen that is, are going to be able to come back here, and that's obviously huge for an offense that has been a little stuck in the mud needs to be able to score to keep up with Mahomes and company. I I just think that for as much as the stigmas and the stereotypes surrounding the Chargers are going to continue to rear their ugly heads, and, you know, it's only November, so, you know, it's only beginning in a lot of ways there in terms of what we all expect from the Chargers. I I just think it's a team, that, and I'm not one for moral victories, honestly, but they fought hard. They could have won that game outright in the Bay Area last week against the 49ers on Sunday Night Football. Uh, and covered as touchdown underdogs at home getting five. Again, I just think there's a good value in this number. Uh, still, I, I don't love it nearly as much as it did at six and a half, but we talk about a five being kind of a dead number. Six obviously can land. Uh, I, I still think we're good. If you like the chargers to get in on them, catching the points at home.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. They're going to get all, it looks like all those weapons on offense are going to be back, which is huge. Offense is just pretty inept, you know, when their only weapon is is Eckler. But now with Allen and Mike Williams back, Williams being that deep threat they desperately need, I think Chargers are the only side here. I'm kicking myself. I saw this open to seven. I wish I grabbed that. I didn't play anything early this week, just didn't love a whole lot. But I do wish I grabbed that. Now being at five, it is such a dead number. I think – if you're going to look to the Chargers, I think you just take them on the money line to win this game. I don't think I would grab five. I think I would just play the money line at plus 190.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting look, and, and I don't hate it. I definitely think the Chargers at home are live to win this game. And, and you know, mathematically, that would put them very much in the mix to still have a shot at the AFC West crown. It just,
1: just feels like one of those games where they're either going to they win the game or they somehow get blown out. By or they get slaughtered. Like, looking at the Chiefs' injury report, you know, uh, Juju's not going to play. He got absolutely destroyed. He didn't practice today. and It's a concussion thing. I can't imagine you miss Thursday with a concussion and you'll be good to go Sunday. And then scaling was limited. McKinney was limited. So, is number one receiver? Yeah, I mean, he he looked it last week, right? Yeah, he did. That's a huge upgrade for them. All right, let's wrap up
0: with another international game in Mexico City, neutral field between San Francisco and Arizona. Uh, Point spread certainly not indicating a lot of faith in Kyler Murray's status. Eight-point line favoring San Francisco, total of 43 in the hook. Uh, What do we do here, Alex? Neutral field, big number. Colt McCoy's been functional for Arizona. Can you plug your nose on the Cardinals, or uh, is this where the 49ers train kind of, you know, continues to move down the tracks and San Francisco, a team that I think everybody thinks it's better than it's five and four straight up record. Do they deliver their best performance of the year? I don't know here.
1: I'm not sure either. The, the more I look at this, the more I think the, the Niners are going to just roll. I just don't love laying over a touchdown. If this was seven, I'd feel a lot more comfortable. You get the push when they inevitably win by seven, but, just so looking at the Cardinals' injury report, it's very concerning. Hopkins didn't practice. Ertz didn't practice. Kyler was limited. And it's a hamstring thing. So, you know, even if he plays, he's such a mobile guy. That's a majority of his game is making those plays on the run. You know, hamstring. Well, and you also, that's have, to, like you also
0: it, have to think, too, if you're the Cardinals. They're 4-6. and six. Like, even if he plays and they win. Okay, now you're 5-6. and six, Like, maybe you're kind of still in it. But part of them also has to think with their long-term investment, like long-term yeah, health is
1: this where we punt on the season. Do we want to even risk it type of thing? That's what I mean. Yeah. Especially against that, that Niners defense that just right. swarms And yeah, that's it, a good point.
0: So, yeah, I agree. I, I think the more you think about it, yeah, San Francisco is probably the side, but it's a steep number in a division game. And yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know well if there's any impact at all. The Mexico thing, too, and who that might, you know, it, it, it's hard with these. I, I, I don't often bet these international games, honestly. Like, it's just, you know, I don't know. A lot of them are in Europe and you wake up to the game and you just kind of watch it before all your action gets going. But, you know, this is Monday night, so I'll you, you find something, I'm sure. But uh I don't love it from a side total perspective.
1: <laughs> no, I don't either. And I wouldn't. I generally don't play teasers, but I wouldn't fault anyone for Teasing putting the mean, Niners yeah. in. Yeah, with their favorite other leg, maybe get the Steelers up to to nine and a half, yeah, ten, yeah. depending on Good the book. Look, yeah.
0: yeah. All righty, Alex. Well, it was a shorter pod this week, but obviously these games are it's games that we don't have a lot to say about. So we made it through it, and uh, let's enjoy Week Eleven as best we can. Let's say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They say uh, sometimes the best bet the one that you don't make Yeah. although I'm an absolute degenerate so I'll be forcing so it we're t- still going to make 10 bets but- yeah Yeah, <laughs> absolutely
0: <laughs> All right, buddy uh, talk to you soon and uh, I guess enjoy your Thanksgiving if we don't link up before then
1: yeah sounds good man That's uh, alright
0: Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven manages the podcast twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod I'm Greg Frank at undercover Greg on gambling twitter at G underscore Frank six for all my sports takes That is going to wrap things up for another edition of Full Slate. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. And as always, please play responsibly.